0: This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the Year of the Leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast.
1: Second. Welcome back to the Leading Second podcast and part four of our summer series of episodes where we are going there. We are tackling some tough subjects. And as you have seen over the course of this month, we have not stayed safe. Our goal has been to have some important conversations that we need to be having right now. The game has changed. The landscape has shifted and we wanted to paint a picture as to how and what that means for us leading in the church today. So I'm so glad you're back for today's conversation. And today we're going to take a right-hand turn. And our episode today is not necessarily related to the others, other than uh, through the idea that it's a tough conversation that we need to have. Uh, Today, we're going to have a conversation on leadership failure. And uh, we're going to talk about some of those dynamics and, and, and what do we need to... Be thinking when we see this and experience this. Uh, we have this conversation today with a heart full of grace and a heart full of love uh, for the church and for the people who serve the church. And so today I pray that you will receive this conversation in the spirit in which it is intended. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to remind you that coaching group applications are open for For our fall intake for coaching groups, Uh, I invite you to consider joining us for a 12-month leadership journey as we master the art of second chair leadership together. This space has meant so much to me as we launched it this last year, and we're excited to take in a fresh intake of year one and year two uh, coaching participants. So head to leadingsecond.com for more information on coaching groups. We'd love to have you part of our intake This fall. Okay, we're back having our final conversation today. Pastor Jason Warman of Coast Life Church in Venice, Florida, and Pastor Joshua Bingle, uh, lead pastor of Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington, are joining me today. Uh, Brilliant minds, brilliant friends to our tribe. And uh, we're going to have this final installment. I pray this will help you. I pray this will minister to you and give you some clarity. Let's join that conversation now. Jason, Josh, welcome back. Here we go. Part four. Are we ready to Let's do go. this?
2: Yes. It's going to be the end of an era. We're in our, we're in our right now.
1: We're in our telling the truth era right now.
2: The truth era. I'm the problem is me.
1: We, uh, have been in a series of really important conversations this summer. And I have, I have to say this, I have loved hearing from leaders everywhere, um, you know, sent in messages or even some I've seen on the road face to face. These conversations are helping and are, are helping us find some anchors and some truth. And I'm so grateful um, that we've created this space. And I'm so grateful for the two of you. Thank you for the students that you have been the last couple of years As we are leading in a shifting landscape, the two of you went headfirst into learning and positioning yourselves to help your congregations, and we are getting the overflow of that. So I just wanted to honor you both and thank you for uh, your voices in this. And today, man, we've covered a lot, but today we're going to take a bit of a right-hand turn. Uh, We're not, you know, in doing this episode, we're not necessarily building on the last other than just hitting another um, interesting pocket of conversation mm-hmm. uh, today, that I feel like the last couple of years has resurfaced, um, and today we're going to talk in the in the sandbox of of leadership failure, and we're going to talk about some of the dynamics. We got news organizations making documentaries about mm-hmm. it and and a lot of loud church critics people that do not love the church are having an absolute feast on some things mm-hmm. out there and I think as we get into this we want to say a couple things and number one I think we'd want to say we throw no stones uh, mm-hmm. with this conversation right. we are yeah. fully aware that the plank in our eye is bigger than the speck of dust in someone else's and we we say this as, leaders who also deeply, deeply love the local church. In fact, that's why we want to have this conversation Mm -hmm. is because we just want to see her healthy and well. All three of us spend hours throughout the year serving pastors and leaders. So uh, we are for leaders and for the church when we get into um, this topic today. And I'm just going to open it up to the two of you to get us started. I mean, it feels like, especially the last couple of years, we just saw uh, never ending, uh, pattern of, of stories, leadership failures, leaders falling from grace, leaders making mistakes. It almost at, at one point just felt like waves continually hitting the shore, you know, one after the other, after the other. And just as pastors for a minute, I just wanted to hear what you thought of that. Like, how did you feel about that when we started seeing that occur over the last few years?
2: Uh, it made me really look internally, um, forced some introspection, um, because I mean, it, it was, you're right. It seemed to be like a continuous cascade in some moments in just making sure that I had checks and balances in my own life. Um, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I, and Mm. Brandon, I remember you asked me a question. It might've been the first time you came to our church, which is 10 years ago now. And That's wild. I know. And you asked me, um, Genesis Church goes down in flames. What's the headline? And it was a really brilliant way of asking, like, are you aware of your um, temptations, your tendencies, your propensities? And I remember thinking about that, like, you know, I think for me, it would be, I, I desire to influence people so deeply um, for the kingdom that the perverted side of that could be, I would sell out for a platform and sell out for influence. Mm. And that could lead to a whole host of um, decisions that, that compound upon themselves. And so seeing those first off, um, really made me look, you know, who's to the left of me, who's to the right of me. What great men do I have in my life that I can go to when I'm like, I'm not good. Um, you know, some Very of the, the common things that we've heard from people who lost a ministry or, you know, flamed out it publicly um, is that either they didn't say anything or when they did, it fell on deaf ears. And so who do I have in my life that I can be like, I am not good right now. And I want to go drink a whole gallon of bourbon because I'm (laughs) sad. And like, and, and do I have those people and can we tell each other the truth? And do we, just so that I don't become a statistic. So initially, I mean, that's my first, you know, there's all kinds of things that I could say, but I just remember being, man, that could be And the minute I think that it can't be, that's the danger zone.
1: Right. And let's draw a line straight in this conversation to leading second. I mean, we, these these episodes this summer are open to everybody, got plenty of lead pastors listening, but this is a space for second chair leaders. Let's draw a line straight there. Yes, the ones that make the news are the ones with large platforms or, you know, heads of denominations or, you know, those kinds of things. But leaders throughout teams can be exposed to suffering and silence. Yes, yes. right. And and I think it's, it's an interesting place to be on staff at a church because I, I don't know of hardly any other career, if you want to use that word, career out there where your morality is as intertwined with your employment uh, as ministry is, like right. right? And, and so you know if you're if you're a construction worker um or or a business owner or something and you're addicted to porn you get to still do that and be addicted to porn it's not it's not healthy yeah. it's not good but you're not going to lose your job necessarily over it so that creates a dynamic where where church staff if if the right protocols and systems and and resources aren't made available to the internal team but just don't know where to go just don't know how to deal with this. And so I just wanted to draw a direct line to this audience too. Really Let's good. just not make this about a news headline. Um, those ones get the spotlight and the, the documentary, but but we're all right. uh, to a degree exposed to this. Jason, do you have any thoughts?
3: Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a mixed bag for me. Like, uh, you know, and frustration on some hands of like, how is this stuff happening? And then, um, one of them that just hit me cause I just, you know, I love their voice, their leadership voice and found so much encouragement just personally. Like, you know, no, no one probably knew that other than me, you know, uh, of how much I listened to them and found, found encouragement for the journey. And uh, when, when the, the season hit, I just had to process through um, cause I, I'm, I'm all over the map on it. Admittedly, like it, one of the deals I, I did when the, when I, when I read about some of the, one of the people that I, I heard about was a, a, I wrote something called Moses Was in the Wilderness, too, uh, because I, mm-hmm. I think we forget sometimes, like, you know, like we talk about Israel not going into the promised land and um, and their failures and, and not fully trusting God and going to the place God had for them. And then Moses ends up not making himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, he ends up in that place where did, did that negate his leadership? No. Uh, did, did he... Did, is he one of the you know one of the prophets that Jesus quotes often? Yes, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, his humanity was he was he wasn't in the he wasn't ahead of where the people were at. He was he was right where people are, and I think sometimes we forget about we forget that about leaders. It yeah. Is is we we're all right in the church too. We're all right in the same process of sanctification too. We're all trying to work out a relationship with God, fight our flesh, fight the devil. <laughs> fight, fight everything that we can fight the good fight of faith, walk in faith. And, and it's, and sometimes not, not excusing it. Sometimes we just have to remind ourselves that Moses was in the wilderness too. Like leaders are just like us. And those are the moments that really expose it. And, you know, there's, there's this tension, right. Of, 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 I feel like we need some grace for leaders. And then I also at the same hand on the same time I'm wondering like, do we need some also some accountability? Because I, I go back to, you know, Peter, he he denies that Jesus is the Christ and and seals it with cursing. And I'm just like, man, if social media would have been around in that moment, how viral would Peter have gone and how mm. how absolutely dead would his ministry have been? Mm. But then not not too many days later, there's a process of restoration. There's a process of repentance, clear process of restoration, clear process of repentance. And he's preaching the Pentecost sermon that sees 3000 people get saved. Um, And so I just like there's that tension for me. Like, man, my heart is because I love the local church and pastors are my heroes. Like even today, like even today, pastors are my heroes. So I probably have a little bit of a pedestal, admittedly, mentality when it comes to pastors. I just have so much honor and respect for so so many pastors that I my heart is I want I want I want to give guys grace. And then on some other instances, honestly, this is why I'm over the map. I'm like, okay, that doesn't really surprise me uh, unfortunately. and there's some stuff that's off that we need to fix. And that, that's, I don't, I don't know how to answer it like clean and neat. It's just, it's just so based on different circumstances and where it's yep. at.
1: Okay. So I have a question for you guys. Maybe my big one for wanting to do this episode. And, and we're talking about this today because we're neutral. We're not, we're not shadow boxing here with one scenario. Someone mm-hmm. might be thinking of, you know, we're not referring to one situation. Um, you know, when we talk about this. So I, I think we can, you know, kind of invade this. My, my question is just, how should we be thinking about this? Like, where are our handles when we see this happen? And here's what I mean. It seems to me when a, when a leadership thing, failure goes public, the messaging all starts, you know, mm-hmm. um, sometimes Leaders that fall are more or less repentant than other times. Mm -hmm. Um, The blame is maybe taken or assigned somewhere else. I mean, the the whole messaging war begins, and we, you know, we who are who are removed, you know, (laughs) try to figure it out, and we don't ever really know the whole story. I guess I would just love from removed pastors from any one situation you're you're sitting down having coffee talking to a leader who's confused right now what are some handles that leaders can grab onto when they see people they've loved respected you know experience a a a failure or have a moment of a mistake like just what do we grab onto how do we think about these things in in those moments
2: um i think to acknowledge that moments like that are really confusing for people mm. Um, because we rightfully so look to leaders in the church as people who should, who should be of upstanding moral character and integrity mm-hmm. and private holiness. And and so when when we see something like that, it really is disillusioning. Like it you're it's it's shocking. You some, sometimes like Jay was saying, sometimes even a sort of like visceral response to it, like, oh no, are you serious? And so I've helped people in our church grapple or s- help staff grapple through those things. And so a couple of things I would say, you know, first off, be really careful not to join call out culture. Um, you know, yeah, very good. Jumping on to, you know, uh, engaging with social media posts about it and sharing them and passing them on, even if you're not doing it publicly. But, you know, I have to check myself about like tossing stuff around in DMs. And, you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> pastor text threads are hilarious. Like I was watching 101 Dalmatians with my uh, kids the other day. And it's like when the puppies go missing and the dogs are barking through the whole countryside. And they're like, it's an all dog alert. And it, sometimes that's how I feel about text <laughs> threads. Like, Did you hear? And I'm like, oh yeah. And then I like forward it. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, true I'm like you know call out culture is like you're like that pharisee in Luke 18 that's praying like oh god thank you that i'm not like these people i'm not like these cheaters and these swindlers and um you know there's sometimes i think in the name of accountability we step outside of the grace that is on our life and people will Call out preachers and false teachers and people who have fallen. And then they'll say, Well, Paul did it. Like, look, we should do it too. But the difference is, Paul did that. And when Paul named names, he did that in a personal letter to his young protege. (laughs) Right. He didn't jump on Twitter. He didn't start a YouTube ministry, you know, that's making hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, getting clicks by calling people out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was within the context of the, uh, someone that he was personally responsible for discipling. And so I've done that with people on our staff. Like I can't remember a time. So check me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember a time where I publicly tagged somebody and was like, don't listen to this person. I'm not saying I wouldn't, um, but I don't remember a time. But there have been multiple times with our staff people that I am tasked to be leading and say, Hey, I wouldn't be drinking from this. Well, right now. Mm. Um, yeah, very good. Sharing this content. I would be like, just be on the lookout. And so, but that's because I have a responsibility like Paul did to pastor Timothy and be like, don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to him. He's going to lead you astray. And so let's, let's be careful. You know, like Monique said to us last week, um, this crazy thing called context, um, (laughs) Make sure that that we're not just proof texting something so we can, you know, pass along some hot gossip to feel good about ourselves, um, which really just continues to put a black eye on God's great church.
1: Well said, especially I've never heard 101 Dalmatians reference in a message. That was brilliant. brilliant.
3: I think think it's, uh, you know, how you respond determines the, is determined by the seat you sit in. You know, like sometimes Mm -hmm. we're just we're sometimes we're just disconnected from it. Like we hear something about it and we have no personal connection to it. Right. And so I think there's all of us and something all of us that there's something in all of us that kind of wants to understand what happened. So the the desire for information I get like we what happened? How do we want to understand? But then we got to be careful because if we don't have any personal connection to it, then we don't really know what happened. In a lot of instances, like, uh, and it's amazing how many people form really authoritative, mean thoughts with absolutely no information. Wow, absolutely! Uh, like you have no, you have no personal connection there. You have no idea what's going on, uh, and you're forming really strong thoughts and opinions. And, and, and so like, if you, if you have no connection to the church, then whatever information becomes available, sure. Like find out what happened. I don't, I don't begrudge anybody for wanting to just understand, but like where you're going to get vocal on, um, like, w- do you have a platform to speak into that? I, I'm old school. Like I, I'm going to be careful before I touch something that may not be like, it that might be, a, might not be a ministry I should touch that. I'm might that might not be something I should wade into. I've got, I want to have some fear of God uh, mm. around that issue. Um, and then I, I just wonder sometimes if people understand, like when you, when pastors fall, we, nobody wins, but the devil. Mm. <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah, you're getting likes and you're getting views by calling all this stuff out. And all we're doing is giving the church a black eye.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, like there's, there's there's, no one, like when we tear the church down, the enemy wins. And so like my heart is, yes, I know there's some things that need to be spoken to. I know there's some issues that need to be dealt with, but we also have to remember we're called to build the church. And I don't want to be a part of anything that is tearing something down, thinking that I'm building something else
0: up. Hey, this is Clark from the Leading Second team. Before we jump back into the episode, I wanted to share a quick testimony from our Leading Second coaching groups. Let's check this out.
4: What's up, Leading Second family? I'm Marcia Brown, and I have the privilege of serving on staff at Crossroads Church in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I am currently serving as the Director of Operations and Serve Team. And last year, when I signed up for coaching groups, I'm not going to lie, I did not know what I was fully getting into, but I had recently stepped into my new position, and I knew I needed to be surrounded by like-minded individuals, people that had been through the seasons I was going through or that were going through the same seasons as me, um, and it turned out to exceed my expectations. Not only did we receive world-class teaching every week, which felt like we were in the leadership gym, doing our bench press, doing our squats, and even doing our cardio workout. One of my absolute favorite parts was the community that I founded of fellow believers, not only um, just in the same season as me, but people that have been through what I had been through. We were able to encourage each other, friendships were developed, um, and the cherry on top was the individual one-on-one coaching that I received. Shout out to my coach, Jennifer Martin. She has helped me tremendously over the past year. I not only was able to discover my strengths, but she helped me to discover my weaknesses and implement systems uh, and awareness of how to overcome those weaknesses. And it has been an absolute joy to be a part of leading second coaching groups this past year. So listen, if you've been on the fence about signing up, this is your sign to get signed up right now, because this is going to change your life. You're going to be surrounded by community. You're going to learn, you're going to grow, and you're going to learn how to be a better leader for not only your church, for your pastors, but also a better you overall. Pastors Brandon and Lindsay, thank you so much for this space and this place where you giving us second chair leaders, a voice um, where you have spoken to what is on our hearts. And so Leading Second, let's continue to lead strong from the middle.
0: If you want to learn more, you can visit leadingsecond.com. Applications close August 23rd. Spots are limited, so apply today. And now let's jump back into the episode.
1: So I have another question for you guys today and you know a big question and that to me would be how should restoration look? I think a lot of leaders wonder about this. A lot of leaders get confused especially when we get to see these messaging wars going on about this stuff. You know, do do leaders take time out or do they stay in place? Do they immediately lose their job? How do we know the right people know what's, I mean, this is just confusing, I think, to younger leaders that are watching this stuff. So I guess I'd just love to hear you guys talk this one out for a minute. When do leaders take a break? When do they stay in the game? Jason, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, you know, it's messy because we're all in the process of sanctification. So when do you when do you like throw the flag and be like, hey, you're coming out of the game? Um, and the, the illustration I think I've always come to just trying to make these decisions um, is, you know, there, when a boat's out on the water, there's, there's sometimes some little things that you can fix while the boat's still floating. Mm-hmm. Like there, there, there might be, and I don't know anything about boats, so I'm not even going to try to pretend how to <laughs> fix a boat, but there might be something, you know, you could fix while you're on the water. But then if a a boat has some major mechanical issues, I do know enough to know that you've got to pull the boat out of the water Mm. and it has to go to the dockyard and it's got to get somebody that can fix it because it's not you're going to sink it if you try to if you try to fix it on the water. And I think that's where we have to have some faithful leaders Uh, like I. Uh, Every church needs overseers, um, pastoral overseers. Like uh, I'm a big fan of external pastoral overseers to watch over pastors that can help make that call. Because if you're in trouble, odds are you don't have enough self-awareness to make that call for yourself. You need somebody else to see that in you. And, I, you know, so like, yeah, we're all in a process of sanctification. We all deal with issues and it's just, it's not clean cut, but like, where, where can we, okay, I just, I'm a Christian. I, I had an attitude I didn't need to have, or I did something and I need to go repent to my father and handle that in a personal relationship with God. Okay. Where is it now? Like, maybe I don't need to be pulled out of ministry, but I need to go get counseling and there's some deeper work that needs to be done here. And then I think, it. I think you need out oversight to help you determine, okay, if you, if you keep going down this road, you're, you're going to sink the boat, either, either your own soul, your marriage, the church, and we've, we've got to pull you out for a season, get you out of the water, get you, get you fixed up and get you back, back on the water where you can do what God's called you to do.
2: Beautifully said. Very good. I think an encouragement to, yeah, an encouragement, um, since this is leading second to second chair leaders who may be somewhat um, disillusioned by processes that you see. It's important to remember that most often we're only seeing publicly the ones that didn't work. The <laughs> accountability structures that didn't work. What you don't see is how God's church holds itself accountable day after day after day right. after so day. And so gets good. people into counseling and gives them sabbaticals not that every sabbatical is cuz somebody's about to you know blow up right but but what I, I would encourage you and remind you that there's a couple things working is that you only see the big public ones and i don't even know that it happens more often than it has in the past other than that we have these massive platforms that amplify failure um i have a friend that calls it failure porn like <laughs> it's you just, we we're like, Oh my gosh, did you, and it just gets amplified, amplified, amplified. And it's right at your fingertips and people are making podcasts and documentaries. And, but I would just remind you in case you're feeling like, wow, why does this happen? It has always happened because people are sinful. And I would also remind you that, that what we don't see is how God's great church serves herself, ministers to herself, holds her leaders accountable Every single day of the week across denominational lines, across sizes of churches, Uh, small churches are not exempt from failures and they're not exempt from um, accountability working in, you know, restoration is, is we should look to restore someone in my estimation, I submit this, I'm willing to be wrong. This is not gospel, but in my estimation, we should restore people to health before we try to restore them to a position or to a platform or a pulpit, that if we can't figure out what was off, which piece of the Imago day of your imaging of God got perverted right. that you veered off course. If we can't diagnose that, then we shouldn't be, you know, running to a platform or a pulpit. And I'm also um, and you can, I guess, cut this if you want to. I'm a little leery of people who are restored by people who are not in authority in their life before that happened. Mm. Um, I, like it, I would want I would want it to be my spiritual father who knew all my faults and my flaws. I trust that kind of restoration. Like, Jay, you brought it up earlier where it, Peter was restored by Jesus by Jesus, right? yeah. there was repentance, and he said, "Do you yeah. love me? Yes, I do. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, you know I do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And it was it was not you know, somebody else restoring him. It was a personal, there was deep relationship. and that those are the ones that when we see restoration happen that yeah. have the most fruit in the future. Um, and they're beautiful stories of redemption and grace, which I think we're all here for.
1: Yeah,
3: I just yeah, I wanted to tag on because that's brilliant. Uh, on the restoration process, there is a big difference between restoration and person and, uh, and and NPR. <laughs> there's, <a, laughs> there's a big difference <laughs> between those two things, and I think a lot of what a lot of ways that sometimes things get handled is it's more PR than it is restoration. It's just trying to control the narrative keep things down. And I think, I think one of the things, and you know, I'll fight for the church. I love the church. I love pastors. But I think one of the things that we could do better is being a little more forthright. And because everybody knew what Peter did um, and it didn't negate him from Jesus restoring him. And I'm not saying you got to, you know, like all the dirty details have to come out. I'm just saying we're public figures. And if we're going to be restored publicly, then there might need to be a little more openness about the journey so that gives people confidence.
1: Well, the the challenge is in the absence of information, people make up their own story is right. the bottom line. Yeah. And so you're talking about a point of wisdom, you know, what to share, what not to share. But I think one thing that has to be taken into consideration is is just what a vacuum creates. I, I yeah. agree with you.
2: And for, for secondary leaders, too, who maybe have not Um, been part of a process of restoring someone or having to walk through a mess. I would just say, um, having, you know, been involved in some of those, if you're in ministry, any stretch of time, that's going to happen. You have to trust from your leader that you are getting the information that you need. Don't assign intent and motive that they're trying to hide things because there are so, a lot of times there are so many moving parts and you are trying to determine how much can I say? Because there's other parties involved and who do we, you know, yep. are we betraying someone's confidence? And so you, you may want more information or feel entitled to more information than you have, but there is a lot of trust yep. that goes into, you know, you know what? God has set you in leadership in this house and there are structures in place and I am trusting that God is caring for his church and he's restoring. And yep. so I'm going to put my need or my desire for the hot goss down and just trust that God is working because there's so many things at play that you have, you just don't, unless you're in those rooms, you don't know all the information and all the perspectives and the sides.
1: Yeah. I, I think as a second chair leader myself, I think one of the places I run to that gives me confidence is I don't need to know as long as I know the right people know. And if the right people know, I can have confidence in in them. And I think every second chair leader, like you just got to find your peace in that. That Mm -hmm. if your church has good oversight, if it has, you know, biblical uh, structure and godly leaders watching over, you can trust in that process, which actually leads me to this point. So this is a concept that we teach in our coaching groups with Leading Second uh, 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 more in, in depth, but I just want to touch on it here. It's the concept of a personal team. I think every leader, second chair, first chair, I think every leader needs a personal team. You need people in your life that you have named, that you have put there, that are there for your safety, for your coaching, for for these moments. I've heard it proposed that the best place for a leader is to have no secrets. That you have a couple people around you that know mm-hmm. absolutely everything about you. If mm-hmm. you can get surrounded on all sides with godly people that know everything about you, it just keeps you away from the enemy's traps. We don't want to be unaware of the mm-hmm. enemy's schemes and leave doors open. you know. So can that include your spouse? Yes. Can that include a, a, a godly Christian counselor. Yes. You know, I mean, there could be a a couple different types of people around you, but I think every leader needs a good personal team, a team of people that know every last thing about you. Then they can call you on it and maybe even get a little proactive in your life on it rather than waiting for the day of destruction to come. I think Josh, when I asked you that question, you know, about the headline, this was the nature of it. Like, Mm -hmm. does somebody know your dark side? Right. Does somebody know? And 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 uh, if I ask that question to people, I'll often say, "You don't have to tell me. If, mm-hmm. if 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 we're not there, that's fine. But somebody needs to know the answer to that. Somebody needs to know mm-hmm. the thing that mm-hmm. would take you out."
2: Mm-hmm. We have a a friend. Um, I think we all are friends with him, and he asks a follow-up question even to that. So he'll ask the question like, who are the three guys who can be in your driveway within 30 minutes? And then the follow-up question is, and does your wife have their phone numbers?
1: Exactly. Mm.
2: Which is a really good question. Like you need to come get the boy. (laughs) He's he's wild out. Or like, who is the person? Because we all need those people. I love the idea of a personal team. Um, we, I mean, Jay, we were down spending some time with a very, very high profile, well-known church leader and the amount of accountability he has in his life was mind boggling. He was telling us, I have people in my life who know every penny me and my wife spend. They have access to their bank information. They have location (laughs) on their phones tracked just so, because he's like, I know, I know my dark side. And Mm -hmm. I refused to let there be a black eye on the body of Christ because I didn't have somebody watching my blind spots. And I was shocked. I was like, praise God for that.
3: Yeah. 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 It it comes down to who has your passwords, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like just that we stepped into something that's very public and open. And there's just, there's just no good process. Of like, well, this is this is my little thing, and um, I'm gonna hide it. And you know, this is my area of my life that's private. I, I get we all need some space and some you know some family time and all, all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like there has to be that that close core. Uh, I think there's just layers of it. I think I think pastors need pastors. Um, I think sometimes we don't we don't. Have the humility? Maybe I don't know what it is to like look to somebody and go, "Hey, like I want you to be a spiritual leader in my life." Do mm-hmm. you see anything like speak to it? Uh That to me, that's different. And again, just opinion. A pastor is different than overseers. Like I have legal overseers at our church, and then uh, I think there's just a friend group who is totally unimpressed with you, who have, <laughs> feels <laughs> completely comfortable mocking you, like shaming you, embarrassing like. you, just yes. Relentless, you like it. you are nothing to them, you, and just does that I mean that? Like whatever it is, we built we built a little church, and you know you get some people around you, and I and we're we're honor, right? Like we hold. And then if you're not careful, you start believing your own press right. a little bit and thinking you're a big deal, and it's just nothing good comes out of that.
1: I don't know. I like to think my friends think I'm a big deal. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> With season eighty-seven of the podcast, he's better than us. No. <laughs> So
1: let's, let's land it with this thought and I'd love to hear you guys talk about this. Monique hit on an aspect of this, not so subtly last week, if you caught it, (laughs) but just the idea of there's a poison pill in here and it's the idea that I can't do X because if I do, I'll, I'll lose people. You know, know, my, my, my church will shrink. I can't address these issues because our our church won't grow as if, as if church growth is the only metric that matters. I guess that's a bother I have. And I submit it to you, your pastors. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I'm bothered. I'm bothered by that be up to the right being the only thing that matters. Number one, that thinking to me, does not take into account the different seasons of the harvest cycle. That not every season is the season where you pick apples. You know, there are there are seasons for pruning. There are seasons, there's just winter. You know, there are seasons for sowing. So first of all, it doesn't even take into account that. We, we assume as soon as we have one month that's not up and to the right, we assume something's automatically wrong. But then number two, you know, we get protective in our leadership. And we don't address things because of how it would hurt the brand or whatever. Would you guys just talk about this? I'm really bothered. I'm just being real with it. I'm bothered by that thinking right now. I think it underlies a lot of the problems um, that end up getting the press.
3: Well, I think I think at the end of the day, you got to deal with the fear of man, uh, whether that's sometimes being afraid of saying something that needs to be said from the pulpit I think that can play into not dealing with problems in your own team because you just there's this fear of offense and and I think that's rampant in our culture today. Like there's just a lot of fear of men and I like I, I relaunched a church and there wasn't a lot of people but there were some people that I had to go face go stare face to face and I didn't want to do it like there was nothing in me and I, like what one of the pivotal moments that launched our church was and you know I don't how people feel about hearing the voice of god but i know what god asked me and he said are you going to be afraid of me are you going to be afraid of them and i just made a decision that day i'll fear the lord and you know whatever Mm -hmm. happens with these people will happen and i think i think we've gone. I think we only understand when you talk about church growth, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about that because sometimes you're right. It can be a pruning season and sometimes a lack of church growth can be uh, the result that something's wrong and we need to dig in and find out what's blocking up the growth. God wants to grow his church, He wants to build his church, all of those things. I think for us in our culture, we've only known one form of evangelism. And that is a high compassion evangelism. Mm. Uh, and I think we're entering into a season where we need to realize like there are multiple facets of evangelism and there are multiple things the church does besides evangel- evangelism. One of them primarily is equipping the saints. Mm. Uh, and so like we have to equip the saints and then like uh, uh, evangelism has only been compassion. Like we just mm. gotta love people, love people, love people. And then there's been no truth. And I think, you know, Paul went to uh, Mars Hill. And he reasoned with them, and I, I'm, I'm calling it the evangelism of reason. Yes. Wow. We we wow. make sense in in a culture that has lost their brains, yes. in a culture that can't face basic biological facts. We have the gospel makes sense. <laughs> it, it makes complete sense mm-hmm. uh, scientifically, architecturally. Uh, I mean, in in every way. Uh, in. In every way it makes sense. And so like we we have to we, we can't step back from some of these issues because we are the voice of reason. We are the voice of wisdom. We're the voice of knowledge because yes. not because of who we are, but because of the Bible we preach from and the word of God
2: that we preach from.
1: So beautifully said. That was fantastic. Josh, do you have any final words?
2: I was thinking about this and we didn't really have a spot for it, but I'm gonna go for it because I maybe you are a second chair leader who's, um, you know, there's maybe a bit of drama at your church and we live in a culture where people jump and pick sides. And, um, I would urge you, um, to not worry about how other people are going to perceive you. If you stay at your church, Like if people are leaving, staff are leaving, teams leaving, I get it. Use discernment. So I know every scenario is different. But we, especially in this day and age where authority is oppressive and anytime authority messes up, (laughs) we just got to cancel them and get rid of them. Right. You are an anomaly. Even if it's messy, you are an anomaly if you decide to stay and fight and build. Yeah. And I would hate for you to step out from the grace of God that's on your life in this season or the grace that's covering you by the house that you're part of, because you were afraid that someone was going to associate you with the big bad guy. Um, And so prayerfully can say like all this stuff that we've talked about can, can be, you know, maybe a bit philosophical and heady, but I know, and all three of us know that this is probably this goes out to enough people that it's probably somebody's exact scenario as they're driving to work in their car. And so trust God, stay faithful, build God's church. Don't contribute to call out culture. Don't get sucked into failure porn don't get sucked into the pointing fingers out don't look at the I'm going to point to all the sin out there to where you don't be introspective and make sure that you got some yep. sandbags that are holding off the flood of your flesh and the flood of this cultural moment and and be assured that if you heard a word from God to stay even if you know ten thousand you know a thousand fall by my left ten thousand by my right, And it seems like people are leaving in drills, but you know that God told you to stay. Then with everything that you have, stay and fight. And people are going to say what they're going to say about you. And they might try and, you know, drag you on social media and toss you in with all kinds of people that you don't want to be tossed in with. And just know that God is with you and he's fighting for you and you will be blessed for listening to the voice of God.
1: Well said, my friend. I want to thank you both for... Um, four weeks of incredible content. I'm so thankful for the two of you. Thank you for giving us your best, uh, for this series. Uh, I love you both.
2: Love you, boys. It was a lot of fun. Love Thanks, you.
1: Me. Well, I want to thank you for joining us this summer for a series of really important conversations. And if you have any questions on anything that you've heard, I invite you to reach out to us through our website, leadingsecond.com. And we'd love to hear from you. If there's any way that we can be serving you or your church in this season, please contact us. We would love to pray with you and support you in any way we can. We're back this fall with some fresh episodes as part of season six, the year of the leader. Uh, So excited to have you back uh, in September for some fresh content and episodes until then leading second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together.
0: To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.